politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Well, breaking news, Johnny Depp just won big time. Jury awarding him $15 million and saying that Amber Heard acted with absolute malice against him with her lies and defamation. She gets $2 million, but remember, she's got to pay him $15 million. I'm no math guy, but that's a $13 million win for Johnny Depp. But even bigger than that is the fact that he got punitive damages. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a big day today. It's the end of Me Too, or is it? Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here today. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, yeah, so, it, look, you know, this is a thing, and I, I know that there's a, a, a part that some people are, I don't want to, I don't care, I hate Hollywood, I hate actors. Or, I get it, but you have to realize now, they asked him, what did you lose here by Amber Heard's lies against you? And he said nothing short of everything. His reputation, his family life, his career, everything, because a woman came forward and made allegations against him. And this is why this case has always been interesting to me, is because this is really what this entire hashtag Me Too movement has always been about, which is all women have to be believed no matter what, and unless they're accusing Bill Clinton of something, obviously, in which case then they're, you know, trailer trash. But all women have to be accused, uh, believed uh, no matter what, They have to be believed no matter what. And if you disagree with that, if you come out against them, you're a misogynist, you're a sexist, and and on and on it goes. And so allegations are made against the man, and it's just, well, he's guilty. That's it. That's just the way it goes. He's guilty, and that's the end of it. And that's not the way it's supposed to be in any situation. This is also a huge loss for the American Civil Liberties Union, the woke ACLU, which helped Amber Heard write that steaming pile of crap op-ed in the Washington Post. Also a big loss for the Washington Post, which published that op-ed. So it's a big day for justice. It really is. It's a big day for justice. And uh, and I'm happy to see this. I really am. I, I didn't know how this was going to go. And I didn't make any predictions on the show because it's impossible to prove these things. I mean, you know, you can bet on how a jury is going to rule, but you just never know. And I hate making predictions on stuff like this. But this is a big win because we are living in a time right now <clears throat> where men have to fight back against these accusations that are just profoundly, profoundly made up. And they, every, they're they automatically found guilty and their entire lives are destroyed and then they have to fight to get their reputation back. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And we're seeing too much of this happen on college campuses as well. On college campuses... Uh, young men are accused of something. They're thrown off campus. They've got to fight to get their reputation back. They got to fight to prove their innocence. In this country, it's supposed to be you're innocent until proven guilty. It is not supposed to be that you are guilty and you got to fight to prove that you are innocent. It is not supposed to be that way. So this is a it's a big win in that respect as well. Uh, they probably both deserved each other in a lot of ways, but I think Johnny Depp, uh, more importantly than anything else. What he has done here is he's won in the court of public opinion, even more so than in the court. I mean, the money, he may not see a penny of it, and I don't think he cares. But he said that when this came out, this op-ed came out, everybody said he was a uh, basically a, a, a rapist, he was an abuser, and all of these horrible things about him. And he said he lost his reputation. And, you know, your reputation's everything in life. It really is. It's everything in life. And if you if that could be taken away from you, 
and you got to fight and spend all this money and spend all this time to get it back. It tells you a lot about our culture and where we are as a culture and as a society that this is what men have to go through sometimes to be able to show that they are uh, not guilty of this. And I, I'm also amazed, too, there are a lot of women, obviously, rooting for Johnny Depp as well because they don't like the idea that there are actually women out there who will wind up, you know, getting abused. And for them to have somebody lie like this and just make stuff up hurts them and hurts everything that they are about as well. So that's that. There'll be a lot more on it, obviously, in the in the next uh, days to come. Some other stories for you today. Biden, uh, Joe Biden today, um, trying to pretend like he gives a damn about the baby formula shortage, but it's very difficult for him to even pretend. It really is. He's like sitting there looking around. This is as the Surgeon General Vivek Murthy speaking, and Biden just kind of looking around the room, rubbing his eyes. <laughs> no interest. Can't even pretend. He's not any. I think he's falling asleep, actually. I think he's falling asleep. They asked him a couple questions about it as well here. They said, you know, did you think about the impact of the Abbott facility closing? The question you always on every single thing. Why didn't Jack sooner? Um, well, I don't think anyone anticipated the impact of the shutdown of one facility uh, in uh, uh, and the, the, the Abbott facility. And it was accurately shut down because it was, the formula was questioned in terms of its, its purity. And so once we learned of the extent of it and how broad it was, we kicked everything into gear. And I think we're uh, I think we're on the way to be able to completely solve the problem. But did the CEOs just tell you that they understood it would have a very big impact? They did, but I didn't. They understood it have a big impact because they're in the private sector and they make things for a living. I've been in government my entire career and I haven't made a damn thing, so I didn't understand it. I didn't understand a damn thing they were talking about. But again, I've never made anything. I've been in government my entire life. We don't make things in government. We just make people's lives more difficult. We shut things down in government. We don't make anything. <laughs> I just, I just, I, this is amazing. Here, 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 this is Biden here. Let's see. Did you, and I'm going to ask this to your other colleagues, did you anticipate that the closure of the Abbott facility because it was produced, not producing the quality that was necessary, that would have this profound an effect immediately? Or did it, did it take a little time to? We were aware of the general impact that this would have. And so from the moment that that recall was announced, uh, we reached out immediately to retail partners like Target, Walmart, to tell them this is what we think will happen. And this is the inventory we have on hand right now. You should order it. And any inventory in your distribution centers should be pushed to shelves as fast as possible. And, and they've been great partners in taking all of those actions. And then, of course, as the recall has gone on, um, more specific impacts have been felt. And we've learned and adjusted to those as well. But no, we, we knew from the very beginning this would be a very serious event. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't ask that question, huh? I I didn't think that you'd see that. I didn't think you'd say that. Huh? Oof. You know, there's an old saying. Never ask a question if you don't know the answer. 
you know, in a situation like this. And uh, I think Biden was turning around and hoping that they'd all say, oh, yeah, no, Mr. President, we were all caught off guard like you. We were all caught off guard. And the truth of the matter is, is that Biden's meeting with them now when we had this situation happen months ago and they all knew right away it was going to be a problem. They all knew right away. In fact, Biden's own HHS secretary, what's his name? Uh, what's his face? Uh, now, uh, you, I'm going to hand it over to uh, Secretary, Mr. Secretary. I'm going to have you speak now and your remarks, and then we're going to hand it over uh, to uh, to Samara. There, there you go. There you go. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. What's his name? Mr. Uh, Mr. That guy. Mr. Uh, what's his face? Who's he face? Who's he face over there? There, there you go. What's his name? Uh, well, what's his name? Mr. Secretary had spoken to CNN and said they knew about the the potential baby formula shortages last year. Absolutely so you're understand. so you are, you are satisfied with the government's response throughout this? I'm sorry. Say again. You're satisfied with the government's response throughout this? From everything I've I've known, and FDA has kept me apprised of this from last year. Uh, we have been moving as quickly as we can. Yeah, since last year, okay? This is how long back, how far back they knew this was going to be a problem. But but Biden is detached because the guy's never worked for a living. So he doesn't understand things like this. He doesn't understand things. And this is part of the problem. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's 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 a situation, again, where government made something worse. They shut down this plant, and the FDA never got in there to reopen it, and they took them months and months and months to get them back there. And it was only because... People started speaking out against this because so many parents were struggling out there that eventually they reopened the facility. And it's still going to be weeks until it actually comes online again. But think of what had to happen for that to occur. I mean, think about what had to take place for that to occur. It's the exact same place where right now we're, we're discussing right now inflation and where we are with inflation. And everybody biden is blaming his own staff for inflation right now blaming his own staff for inflation at this moment and the reason why is because he knows that this is his fault and he's losing whatever little support he might possibly have and the reality of the situation is that whatever support he has left is going to be going away any second now because everybody is frustrated by all of it and U.S. policymakers misjudged the inflation threat until it was too late. This is the story, the story that I have here today. I started to share with you this morning. It was goes back to February 2021 when Biden emphasized the risk of insufficient stimulus. And he, he wanted $2 trillion, $2 trillion to spend, and was warned that we don't have $2 trillion. You can't do this. You can't say this. You can't go out there and try to push for this. We don't have the money. In March of 2021, Biden signs a stimulus bill and criticism starts to emerge. But remember, the uh, what's his name? The Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, said, I really do not expect we'll be in a situation where inflation rises to troublesome levels. This is back in the winter of 2021. Biden comes in, he kills the Keystone XL pipeline and immediately turns around and says, let's spend $2 trillion on stimulus money. And the question I keep asking is, are we dealing with people who are just the biggest bunch of boobs, biggest bunch of morons who just have no idea what they're doing? Or is this by design? Because they want a particular outcome here. That's the question. March of 2021, March 11th, Biden signs into law this $1.9 trillion economic relief plan, the American Rescue Plan that had been passed by Congress only with Democratic votes. 
Despite united GOP opposition and warnings from some centrist economists, Democrats approve hundreds of billions of dollars in new stimulus checks, state aid, extended unemployment benefits, and a host of other measures. Biden said in the Oval Office that day, this historic legislature read, I should say, read from the uh, teleprompter the following. This historic legislation is about rebuilding the backbone of this country and giving people in this nation, working people and middle class folks, the people who built the country, a fighting chance. Then, three days later, Biden's administration's top economic thinker downplays the potential risk of rising prices. Is there a risk of inflation? Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is asked on ABC's This Week with the unbiased journalist George Stephanopoulos. She writes, she comes back and says, well, I don't think it's a significant risk. Uh-huh. She says prices fell a lot last spring when the pandemic surged. I expect some of those prices to move up again as the economy recovers the spring and summer. But that's a temporary movement in prices. In a March 15th op-ed in Washington Post, former Obama White House economic advisor Lawrence Summers criticizes the Fed and predicts stagflation and recession. Predicting this. Uh-huh. That's right. He's a smart guy. He's a Democrat, too. Why didn't they listen to him? Why didn't they listen to him? I believe the Fed has not internalized the magnitude of its errors over the past year, is operating with an inappropriate and dangerous framework, and needs to take far stronger action to support price stability than appears likely. Hmm. He goes on to say, unemployment and inflation will both average over 5% over the next few years, and policies will lead ultimately to a major recession. One early indicator emerges back then, the, the spring of 2021. Summers might be right. Overall inflation remains low, but prices for used cars skyrocket up 17% since the pre-vaccine summer of 2020. Now, he's now warning of a recession over the next two years, Larry Summers is. And also, too, Jamie Dimon came out today and said, prepare for a hurricane, a hurricane. An economic hurricane. We're in the calm before the storm right now. We're in the calm before the storm. It's so frustrating, isn't it? I mean, it really is just incredibly frustrating. In May of 2021, Janet Yellen rattles markets. Yellen says that the Federal Reserve may need to respond to rising prices, leading to a brief panic in the stock market and later a clarification from the Treasury Secretary. It may be that interest rates will have to rise somewhat to make sure our economy does not overheat. After the stock market dips, Yellen tells the Wall Street Journal a separate event the same day. I don't think there's going to be an inflationary problem, but if there is, the Fed can be counted on to address them. Huh? You feel good about that? The Fed can be counted on to address them. (laughs) Ah, I'll tell you what. I find it fun, fun, fun times. Good times. It's like they knew. They all knew. You know what I mean? They knew this was going to happen. They knew this was going to be a situation that they could not control, but I think they wanted it. I really do. Because, again, the question I keep asking is, are they just the biggest bunch of incompetent idiots, or is it possible, maybe just possible, that this is the complete and utter outcome that they wanted? Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. In June of 2021, Janet Yellen had a meeting of the Group of Seven in London on June 5th. I was not invited, and perhaps you were, to the Group of Seven in London. The overlords, the financial overlords, the Group of Seven, finance ministers in London, probably had tea. I imagine they had a sport of tea. 
Yellen acknowledges for the first time that inflation could wind up running higher than expected. We have in recent months seen some inflation, and we, at least on a year-over-year basis, we continue, I believe, the rest of the year to see higher inflation rates, maybe around 3%, but I personally believe that this represents transitory factors. That was really the first time that everybody started to talk about transitory factors. Boom. June 16th, the Fed revises forecast for inflation, predicting a 3.4% rate by late 2021. By saying, inflation could turn out to be higher and more persistent than we expect. The bank keeps interest rates near zero, but signals that it might raise them sooner than anticipated. I'll tell you, it's interesting that um, everybody was seeing this coming except for them. Why weren't we seeing that coming and they weren't seeing it? Well, maybe they were seeing it coming. I mean, that's the idea, right? That this is all by design. Again, it's either they're the biggest idiots or this is all by design and we are just prey to their diabolical little schemes. You cancel the Keystone XL pipeline, do everything you possibly can to cause economic upheaval. If you want a revolution, you know, the revolution does not happen on the good times when everybody is uh, high on the hog. It doesn't happen when everybody's happy and healthy and hungry and I should say well-fed. It happens when they're hungry. That's the issue. So if you want to bring in a revolution, if you want to usher in the day of tomorrow, you got to make the conditions for it. And boy, are we looking at those conditions. You also have to get people dependent on a system so that if anybody tries to come along and change that before the revolution is complete, too many people are dependent on a system for it to change. Hence, the stimulus of 2021, January 2021, when Biden's going to put another $2 trillion of stimulus money out there and giving people all kinds of different money. All kinds of money. But it's still all your money. All your money and also, well, China's money too because they're borrowing more and more and more more and more and more of it in july of 2021 biden calls inflation temporary july marks a turning point for the labor market with nearly a million jobs created as stimulus benefits and more generous unemployment continue to flow through the economy on the white house lawn biden declares that the nation is closer than ever to declaring our independence from a deadly virus even though the delta variant was already out there the first child tax credit payments go out July 15th, with households getting monthly checks of a few hundred bucks. Prices are also beginning to rise more quickly, especially for groceries, gas, and rent. Biden seeks to reassure the country that inflation won't prove long-lasting. On July 19th, 2021, he says, we've seen some prices increase, but dismisses the views of economists who think the problem amounts to a serious threat. He goes, some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation, but that's not our view. Our experts believe that the data shows that most of the price increases we've seen are, we, we're right, are, we're expected and uh, expected to be uh, temporary. Biden reads from teleprompter with those gaffes in there as well. August, September 2021, price hikes ease. Job growth appears to slow. Delta spreads. And this is when the Biden administration starts calling on oil companies to boost production. But, you know, at the time that they're doing this, the oil companies kept saying the same thing, too. Uh, You know something? (laughs) This is the thing. Uh, We are not about to go and invest a lot of money in new drilling and everything else if if you're going to just shut us down in a couple months. So we're not interested in the massive investment. You've been vilifying us now this entire time. Now you want us to start drilling more, but uh, also you put a moratorium on drilling. So there's that. And also we're the bad guys. So we're probably not going to do that. 
And then Biden turns around and goes, those greedy oil companies, I'll tell you what, why don't they want to drill? Knowing I could just shut them down in a couple months anyway. October 2021, more signs the economy may be slowing. Oh, yes. November 2021, inflation no longer looks temporary. Well, it never did to anybody who was actually paying attention. The Fed moves on November 3rd to ease off its massive purchases of bonds, which has helped keep interest rates low and stimulate the economy. Jerome Powell says the Fed won't let inflation become permanent and that the bank will use its tools to prevent higher prices from becoming entrenched. But he notes sizable price increases in some sectors and says inflation and supply chain disruptions will persist into 2022. Well, welcome to the party, pal. Am I right? Huh? Welcome to the party, pal. A welcome to the party, pal moment. NBC even had to cover this today by pointing out that a new NBC News poll shows 71% of Americans disapprove of President Biden's handling of the rising cost of living. 71%. That's NBC News. And you know they don't want to have to do this, but they have to do this because they can't hide from the fact of how many people disapprove of this stuff. I mean, really, how do you hide from something like this? It's not like 10% or like 5%. It's 71%. It's a massive number of people. Uh, some might even say it's a majority. Oh, right, it is. An overwhelming majority, actually. And for Joe Biden, I don't know how you walk that back, right? I don't, I don't know how you how, do you... how do you get away from that is the question. What do you do when 71% of the people disapprove? But we begin with the backlash over inflation. A new NBC News poll showing 71% of Americans disapprove of President Biden's handling of the rising cost of living. And a lot of people won't like to hear this. Gas prices now reaching a new all-time high, 467 a gallon. Get this, up five cents since yesterday. Yeah, well, you know, Biden is now blaming again the war in Ukraine. And says, because of the war in Ukraine, gas prices and food prices are extremely high. You know, as I'm going through all this, you know what's interesting? Russia has not invaded Ukraine at this point yet. Inflation's going up and up and up and up and up. Russia has still not invaded Ukraine yet. But this is this is why this is, whole thing's a joke. On November 15th, Biden signs a $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill into law. You remember that? The spending deal, a culmination of months of difficult negotiations with Republican lawmakers, represents a key win for the administration's economic agenda. It's a blue-collar blue collar blueprint, he says, for America. Leaves no one behind. But they keep asking about inflation. The Fed backs away from the idea that inflation is transitory. Powell tells a Senate banking hearing on November 30th, it's probably a good time to retire that word transitory and then goes on to say, you know, uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, we we uh, we were just BSing you and we said transitory. When the winter comes, higher heating costs for their homes, we, it's going to be a tough winter. December 2021, inflation hits a 40-year high. The Fed says rate hikes are coming. Biden's Build Back Better agenda looks dead. 6.8% increase compared the year before with inflation, the largest jump since 1982. Prices are up in just about every sector, from pork, poultry, and produce, to housing and sporting goods. February 2022, Russia invades Ukraine. Now, that's interesting because today Biden's blaming the war in Ukraine for all of this, even though Russia doesn't invade Ukraine until February of 2022. But we've had inflation going on and on and on, on and on and on, 
Even to the point of where in December of 2019, Senator Joe Manchin says, I cannot take the risk with a staggering debt of more than $29 trillion and inflation taxes that are real and very harmful to working Americans at the gasoline pumps, grocery stores, and utility bills. There's no end in sight. So no, I cannot support. Okay, so this is Biden today blaming the war in Ukraine. In December of 2021, Powell comes out, Jerome Powell, and says, there's a real risk now, we believe, I believe, that inflation may be more persistent. The risk of higher inflation becoming entrenched has certainly increased. I don't think it's high at this moment, but I think it has increased. He says the Fed will finish tapering its asset purchases by March and raise rates after that. At the year end, Biden's signature economic measure, the enhanced child tax credit, expires amid a broader standoff with the White House and Republicans. February 2022 is when Russia invades Ukraine. Food and energy prices are soaring at this point in February 2022, and they go up higher. Fed raises interest rates for the first time in March of 2022. In May of 2022, inflation is much too high, Powell says. The Fed raises rates again. And now the Biden administration comes out and goes, all right, well, maybe we didn't see this coming. You know what I mean? It's awkward. Awkward. Uh, who could have uh, known that this was going to be a thing? Did you? Did anyone? Anyone? And, and then everybody's turning around going, yeah, no, we, we, all, we all knew that it was going to be a thing. We knew that. By the way, Vice President Harris today bursting out laughing while talking about droughts. You know, that happens sometimes, right? And I remember watching in the Oakland Hills, Northern California, um, the, 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 the landscape turning from green to brown. And everyone, from my mother, our teachers, the radio DJs, KDIA, <laughs> Lucky 13, <laughs> um, saying how important it was to conserve water. Kind of like a crazy person, right? Just just busting out laughing in the middle of a story about droughts, right? A little bit crazy, right? Just a little bit nutty. Biden uh, also said today, you know, listen, the idea we're going to be able, you know, just bring down the term gasoline, you know, not that easy, all right? Not just going to, like, flip a switch here, huh? There's a lot going on uh, right now, but the idea we're going to be able to, you know, click a switch, bring down the cost of gasoline is not likely in the near term, nor is it with regard to food. Well, you don't want to bring down the cost of gasoline because all of this is entirely by design. My personal opinion, this is all by design. I don't think for a second here they thought that this was going to be... I should put it this way. I don't think for a second they were surprised by any of this. There are smart people around and smart people around telling them what's going to happen. It's not a surprise that we're in this spot. It's deliberate that we're in this spot. 
It's absolutely deliberate. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Uh, So recapping the top story of the day today. A jury has sided with Johnny Depp today and ordered Amber Heard to pay him 10 million bucks in compensatory damages and 5 million in punitive damages. And that's really the key right there. That 5 million will be reduced to 350,000, but uh, that's under a Virginia state law copping punitive, capping punitive damages, excuse me, at uh, at that price. But the point is this though, the fact that the jury awarded him punitive damages really shows you just how much they thought Amber Heard was full of crap. No pun intended here. She put out a statement issued moments after the verdict. And again, of course, and as I said earlier, this is uh, really a, a giant victory for those who've been frustrated by the lies of the Me Too movement, how they've just destroyed so many men. And she's making it about that, that all women are suffering today. Not the fact that, that Amber Heard's a liar, the fact that Amber Heard uh, went on the stand and, 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 and completely made things up about Johnny Depp and tried to destroy this man. It's that all women are suffering today. She said, the disappointment I feel today is beyond words. I'm heartbroken that the mountain of evidence was still not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence, and sway of my ex-husband. Disproportionate power. You see the little wokey, lefty buzzword there, right? This is why I'm so glad she lost. Disproportionate power. She's one of the, of the most powerful women in the country. She's a Hollywood celebrity. Disproportionate power. Influence and sway of my ex-husband. I am even more disappointed what this verdict means for other women. It's a setback. It sets back the clock to a time when a woman who spoke up and spoke out could be publicly shamed and humiliated. It sets back the idea that violence against women is to be taken seriously. This is written right out of the Me Too playbook here. I believe Johnny's attorney succeeded in getting a jury to overlook the key issue of freedom of speech and ignore evidence that was so conclusive that we won in the U.K., I'm sad I lost this case, but I'm sadder that uh, I seem to have lost a right that I had as an American to speak freely and openly. No, you have that right. You're not going to prison. This is not a criminal matter. You're not going to jail for what you said. You have to pay him money for what you said because you lied about him, but you're allowed to speak up. You can speak freely and openly in America. No one's stopping you, but there are consequences to your actions if you say something that's a lie, but you're not going to go to prison for it. So there you go. I mean, all right then. Very good. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm amazed that so many people here cannot see through the dangers of this Me Too movement, particularly on college campuses, particularly on college campuses where men are automatically treated as, as, as guilty. Uh, really, honestly, that is one of the situations that I, I think is of this, the biggest part of justice in this is that for any man out there who's ever been falsely accused of something, today is not a victory for them at all. It's just a victory for Johnny Depp. But it's a setback for the movement that went forward for year after year and destroyed so many people. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like some guy who had his life taken from him based on lies and accusations um, has won anything today. He hasn't. But the movement that fueled that and enabled people to destroy a guy like him or somebody else or a student at a college campus, for example, that movement has suffered big time today. That movement has suffered big time. But anyway, I know for some of you, this whole idea of a Hollywood celebrity, it's kind of like, well, who cares? Well, I think, I don't know. I just, I think you have to do, I think you have to care. I also think you have to care about this. Parents claim that their child came out to them as trans at age two 
They now raised their young daughter as a boy. How in the hell is this not child abuse? Are you ready? On the 6th of March, we welcomed our beautiful twins into the world. A boy called Arlo and a girl called Emerald. The first one they said was, this is a girl. I can remember your face just like lighting up like, this mm -hmm. is amazing. And then the next one is on, this is a boy. It was like a jackpot, you know, one of each. This is the perfect combination here. <laughs> yeah, look at daddy flipping. So now they're four years old and they identify as two boys. The first time that I realized Stormy... They identify as boys. They're four years old. You see how nuts these people are? This is child abuse. What they, The damage that they are doing to this little child, this little girl who is identifying as a boy, this is so damaging to these kids. How they're allowed to get away with it? Well, it's the UK. If you tried to do anything about this, you'd be the one going to jail. You'd, 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 you'd go to jail. Wanted to identify as male was about roughly two and a half, but it's not really. He said, "I want to be a boy." He said, "I am a boy," and that is the difference. My name is Stormy, and I'm four years old. I feel like a boy, and I want to be a boy. Sometimes people call you know, at four years old. How confused kids are about everything in the world. Sometimes girls are just tomboys like playing with boys four years old and we're doing this to these kids we're allowing this to occur to children and we're celebrating it with little videos and everything else thanks to libs at tiktok for posting this it's sickening isn't it it really is sickening that we're doing this when i was four i thought i was batman i am batman by the way but but little kids it, it, this is not an 18 year old adult this is a four-year-old how can four years old you possibly know you're a different gender how can you possibly know that the answer is you can't and this is just hurtful do they how does that make you feel sad i can't remember the exact moment it switched over but there was that point where i thought you know what this isn't just this isn't just a phase this is not a little girl we're looking at here. it's a little boy he started being unhappy with being dressed as a girl so he started being unhappy with wearing dresses hair clips were a big no-no mm. didn't like hair clips didn't like the pigtails he was genuinely upset at being dressed as a girl before i had children and certainly before the last couple of years this whole thing that i'm saying I, I would have thought it was ridiculous honestly i would i would have i would have watched me and said no you you you're crazy you're making it up you're abusing a child we yeah, constantly you are. say yeah, are you, you are. a boy today or do you feel like you you might because i don't want him to feel like he's took himself down a route that he can't turn back on oh i think he's gonna have a hard time turning back on this actually the psychological damage that you're doing to her is is something that she probably will never be able to turn back on. It's a four-year-old child. It's a four-year-old child. Unbelievable. Let me share you with this today. I'll leave you with this as we uh, end the uh, podcast today. And I know my attendance on this podcast has not been great. I know. I do a four-hour show every day. I try to do it in the afternoon. It's been tough with the kids, with school schedules. I'm not making excuses and I'm not whining. I'm just telling you because I know that, you know, it may seem like uh, I don't want to be here. And I do. 
This was whole thing was my idea, as a matter of fact. But let me leave you with this. This is a little bit of Johnny Depp here. Cheers for Johnny. Hey, Martha, good afternoon. Well, almost within minutes of this uh, announcement being made, we did hear from Amber Heard through a statement through somebody with her legal team who says she's disappointed that she feels today beyond words that she is heartbroken by the mountain of evidence was still not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence, and sway of her ex-husband. So Amber Heard still coming out swinging after this ruling, already saying that she is sad that she lost this case and sad still that seems to have lost a right I thought I had as an American to speak freely and openly. Now, the big question is whether or not we're going to hear Amber Heard or her legal team address those people right there outside the Fairfax courthouse. You're looking at live pictures of what looks like an impromptu news conference that could happen at any point. But a lot of those fans that have been out there all afternoon in 90 degree heat are probably going to be disappointed because Johnny Depp is not in that courtroom. He was in the UK. He had spent there over the weekend. And so he was not there in court as this verdict was read. But I was told that from the second people learned the news that uh, the jury ruled in favor of Depp, that cheers broke out and that people were very excited. There, of course, has been a huge, you see on the left side of your screen, the people cheering as that news broke out, probably listening to live streams as it was happening. But again, Depp was not there in the courthouse. You can hear them chanting, Johnny, Johnny. We'll be looking to see if his legal team has any reaction or if Depp himself may say anything while he's overseas. But you guys brought up so many good points about what has happened in these last six weeks and what has only played out not only in that courthouse, but what people have been listening to all over the world. Because no matter what, even after what the jury decided today, a lot of people are going to remember what they heard, these different stories, both from Amber Heard as well as from Johnny Depp. And there's been a lot of talk about uh, what this could mean for both of the uh, this, both of these people's careers. And while there is a lot of talk about, yes, this could open up some more doors for Johnny Depp going forward, there's also the possibility that some of these uh, setbacks will be too hard for him to come back from. Although the fan base that you heard from right there moments ago certainly indicates that he has not lost all of his support.